Well, thank you. You may be seated. I am excited to share the word with you today. Okay, so last week there was a little bit of glitch. Didn't the guys do great on the sound today? We're doing some upgrading with some of our our technical side of things, and so we appreciate those guys back there. Give a big shout out. Thank you, guys. Y'all are awesome. Sometimes they're up here during the week um, working on those systems, and so we just really appreciate them. I say all that to say whether the lights go out or whether there's no scripture on the wall behind me, you've got your phone right, you got your Bible app. Listen, you want to make sure that you keep that Bible app uh, open and that you're, you're either using your hard copy or whatever throughout the week. This is not the first time you've heard the word this week, right? When I share, no, you've been, John talked to us last week. He's been talking to us about systems in our life. And he talked to us specifically about spending time in the word and how important that is for us. So, um, you know, I was reading just this week. My reading is in the Old Testament. I have quite a bit of scripture that I'm going to share with you today, but I won't share for half a day. How's that? I was reading in uh, Nehemiah, and it talked about how Ezra, the prophet, gathered people, and, you know, they didn't all have their own copy of the word, um, and it was the law that, that he was reading. He gathered them, and they stood. There's not a, I don't know if they stood in, in respect, or there were no congregational seats like this. Um, and so they stood and listened to the word for half a day. Are you good? We need to increase our capacity, don't we? We need to increase our capacity if we can't open the Bible for 15 minutes out of a 24-hour period. It's up to us to increase our capacity. What happens with that? Well, what happens when, when a weightlifter increases their capacity? Muscles built, stamina, something that used to knock somebody over, they're standing strong, right? Take that uh, to, to heart where it comes to spiritual things. When we come, if you find yourself getting fidgety at church, what do you want to do? Kick your own tail. You will sit here. You know, do you talk to yourself like that? We need to. You will not have that 30, Claire. You will not say those words to your boss. We need that strength, ladies and gentlemen, when we can talk to ourselves. And you see, when you fill your life with the word, it'll bubble up. And it'll just, it'll sound like the best thing you've said all day or the, the best thing you did all day because you kept your mouth shut. Um, because you acted in love when you felt like smacking them. That is the most spiritual time. Listen, that is the most spiritual time in your life and mine. When we can walk in love, it's walking in the spirit. Walk in love where you felt like giving them a piece of your mind that you really can't spare. And you held on to that, and instead you walked in love. It is supernatural. Now, it feels a little bit like hell at the moment, but if you'll do it, if you'll practice it, it's like that weightlifter. If you practice it, pretty soon people can say things to you, and it'll go right over your head. You didn't even, and they might have even been trying to hurt your feelings a little. And you are just like, And they're like, hey, I was being rude to you. And you're like, well, you know, here's here's the thing. Here's what I think about oftentimes when I deal with people in my work, and sometimes they're they're not beyond, they're not church people like you guys are. 
And so I, I, in my own work, sometimes I deal with things, and I mean their attitudes. Some of them don't even know Jesus yet and things like that. And um, so I think to myself how much developing I'm doing when I can hold my tongue and walk in love with them. It causes me to develop. And when else are they going to see Jesus? How else are they going to see Jesus unless somebody shows it to them? So that was just a little bit of, that was free, actually. All of that, we're just getting started. I promise I'm not going to preach for half a day. Um, May the Lord bless you as the word goes forth. Let's jump right in. Um, Do you have any problems and challenges or struggles in your life? Um, Do you have some things that you're dealing with? If it seems bigger than you, if that debt in your life seems bigger than you, if that uh, challenge at work seems bigger than you, if it seems bigger than God, if you're just, you're just not sure how God could work that out, your perspective's wrong. I've been there. We've all been there if we've lived very long at all. Things come up in our life that are too big for us. Well, that's not a problem. But if they come up and we think, I, I, we maybe find ourselves stewing for days and days on end. If it's too big, then you don't know who God is. And I'm talking to church people. Most of you guys, you're out here every week. <clears throat> But we can, we've got to watch what we're looking at. Today I'm going to speak on the topic, God is for us. I plan to prove that to you in, in the word. It's not my idea. Actually, God said that about himself. He is for you. In fact, the Bible tells us that while we were yet sinners, when you were actually against him, Christ died for us. When we did not know him and honor him, he died for us. How much more is he for you that I'm looking at across the sanctuary who have, some of you, you were children when you dedicated your life to the Lord. I am here to remind you, God is for you today. He is for you. I am talking to um, people that have committed their lives to the Lord. Now, if you're here today and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, you want to sit right there and do that. If you, if you, Hopefully, the worship and everything that you've heard up to this point, you feel drawn to him. It's the best decision you'll ever make and the most important decision you will ever make, bar none, that you make Jesus Lord of your life. Well, you can do that right there. Jesus, I accept you as my Savior and Lord. I repent of my sin, and I will follow you. So if you've made that decision, that's who I'm talking about, talking to. You are my audience today. God is for you. He's not for everybody. Now, he's for them coming into salvation. But he doesn't sanction everything that's going on in the world around us, right? He's not for, he's he's not some positive thinker. Well, they're my babies. Whatever they do, you know, I created them. God is for us when we line ourselves up with him and we are uh, making him Lord of our lives. So... Here's two goals for us today. I want you to leave encouraged. Do you know what the root word of, the, of encourage is? Courage. I want you to leave here today so strong. That's what the word of the Lord does, ladies and gentlemen. Proverbs 4 tells us that his word is healing and health to all our flesh. 
It will renew your mind. You can get healed sitting right there under the power of the word. So I want to encourage you today. I want you to leave so strong, so strong, so strong in areas where you were weak when you walked in. Is God speaking to you about those things? Areas where you felt weak as you walked in here. I want you to leave with courage. Secondly, this goes with what John's been talking to us about with our habits, our thought habits, uh, the way we live our lives, how we're focusing our direction. I want you to leave with your thinking changed. You know, the, the, the um, definition of repentance is a change of mind heart and direction. Maybe you've thought of it as just beating yourself up before God. Oh, Lord, I, I was stupid again. And you know what? And you're not, you don't feel even better about it all until you felt bad for a good two or three days. That's not repentance. That's guilt and shame. And, and God does not operate in guilt and shame. It doesn't help you either. So what you want to do is have a change, all of us, on a regular basis. When we come and hear the word, we're looking for a change of mind, a change of heart, and therefore a change of direction because those people that change direction and their actions change, they're the people that get real results, right? It's not just the hearers of the word, not just the podcast players that just listen to the podcast after podcast. Boy, that'll help you. But not just listening, but taking those things and acting on them. Listen to this. Here's a good tweet for you. It's based on scripture. He will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. Okay, so here you go. I'm going to be talking about God is for us. And we're going to talk about his bigness, his magnanimity. Magnanimity, yeah. How How magnificent he is. He, he's my wordsmith. He'll tell me, I, did I get that right? No, he says. Um, if you refuse to think on the wrong things, you will divert depression. If you refuse to think on the wrong things, you will totally miss anxiety. That's the devil's will for you. Anxiety, uh, being pent up and bound up on the inside. If you refuse to think on the wrong things, you will find yourself in a place of victory when you're thinking on the word of God, when you're thinking on things that bring peace. And some people, listen, if this is your thought pattern, oh, but I'm, I'm being irresponsible if I don't, you know. Some people feel like if they don't worry, Maybe you were raised by warriors, class A warriors. They practiced it. it. It was dealt out in the family. Warriors. If you come from a long line of warriors, this is going to take some renewal for you, right? For us who have, if you've come from that, worrying does not do you any good. In fact, the longer you look at a problem with, through the same lens, talk about depression, anxiety, frustration, aggravation. So... I'm going to talk to you today about God being for you. And it is up to you to agree with the word as it goes forth. I made up my mind a long time ago. If I see it in the Bible, I'm not going to argue. I am not going to argue if I see it in the word. That is such pride. And don't you see people that resist what is said in the word? Um, you know, they'll be like, I, you know, Really? How am I supposed to believe that God is the healer when so-and-so is not healed? 
Do you have an answer to that on the inside? You want to have an answer on, you may not say that to someone else. Maybe they don't want an answer. We got to know when people really want answers or they just want to argue or they're just, you know, in rebellion. But for myself, I want to know. If someone is sick, does that in any way tell me the will of God? No, the will of God is found in his word and that is the only place. I do not look at you or you or you, my parents. I don't look at a preacher. Did you know John and I are, are fallible? There, there's a good chance we're going to fail you. We might walk past you in the aisle way and you're, you're waving at us. And we might look the other direction and we're not even trying to be rude. Just got to go to the bathroom. Or someone else in this, this house could offend you. The bigger your God, the more strength the more resilient you are. Resiliency, does, that, does anybody want that? I want to live my life in such a way that no matter what happens, I'm happy. Are, are you thinking, Gwen, is that possible? Well, I did it this week. Um, here's, I was in the Word whenever John gives me the opportunity to preach. I set aside, take some extra days off, and I found myself, I hit some, some stuff early in the morning as I would like you know, do some checking over my email and stuff like that. Uh, have a couple of early morning meetings, and then I'm devoting myself to extra time in the Word this week. And I would have some things come my way in the morning, and I would get into the stuff that I'm about to share with you. you can thank me now and later. And I would look at that, and I would just be happy, and I don't have any reason in the flesh because I just had a super huge challenge. And I'm like, I don't feel it. <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling good. Okay, do you want that? Half the world wants it. They're doping up. They're drinking it up because they want to feel better. And so do you. So get into the Word. It's a fix. It's a fix for everything that ails you. Oh, I'm excited. All right. Psalm 124, go there. What are you looking for? You're looking for seed. The Word of God is a bag of seed. You're looking for seed to take with you throughout this week, to work on those challenges that you said you had at the beginning. If you don't have any right now, they're coming. All right, here we go. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Psalm 124 says this, What if the Lord had not been on our side? Let me ask you. What if the Lord had not been on your side? Uh, you know, all the children are out of here. We've got, uh, most are, are out of here. And so, most of you have a little experience. If you're 10 years or older, you could say, If Jesus hadn't been on my side, I'd have been bullied. I'd have been, list your stuff. I'm asking you today, if the Lord had not been on your side, where would you be? God is big. And what if the Lord had not been on our side? Let all Israel repeat. What if the Lord had not been on our side when people attacked us? When the boss gave me a demotion. What if the Lord had not been on our side? They would have swallowed us alive with their burning anger. Goodness, you ever had any situations like that? Let's don't read the, the word with a religious lens. Oh, isn't that sweet? Those are sweet words. No, no, this is real stuff, ladies and gentlemen. Have you ever felt like people were eating you up with their anger? You can say yes. This is a safe place. 
The waters would have engulfed us. A torrent would have overwhelmed us. Yes, the raging waters of their fury would have overwhelmed our very lives. Praise the Lord. Go ahead, join in. Praise the Lord. Get ready, because I want you to read this last part, verse 8. We'll we'll all read it out loud together, shall we? Praise the Lord who did not let their teeth tear us apart. He's been our keeper. He's been our keeper. He's kept this church, I will tell you today. He has kept this church. It's been amazing the years that John and I have pastored and seen uh, lots of trouble, you know, troubled churches, and it's just it's painful. Some of you, I've heard you talk about churches you've come from, that real trouble, you know, half the congregation leaving and, uh, you know, this side fighting that side, things like that. God has kept this church. It's, it's to his glory. It's supernatural. Praise the Lord who did not let their teeth tear us apart. We escaped like a bird from a hunter's trap. The trap is broken and we are free. Here's your part. Ready? Let's read together. Our help is from the Lord who made heaven and earth. We cannot swing by that. Our help is from who? The Lord who made planets. Can he fix your situation? He is for you. God is for you. And if we are feeling overwhelmed, we've lost sight of how big he is. Is it that simple? I am not trying to make your problems small. I'm trying to make you see the greatness of God. If we are living day in, day out overwhelmed, we've lost sight of how big he is. Let's read it again. Our help is from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Let's go to Psalm 118. Um, You go to Psalm 118. Well, you're probably looking at the screen behind me. Um, I'm going to read... Uh, one other scripture in Psalm 56, 9. When I cry out to you, then my enemies will turn back. This I know because God is for who? God is for me. Say that. God is for me. I'm talking to believers today. People that have made Jesus the Lord of their life. God is for you. Maybe you can remember times in your life where you escaped danger. I remember we had, uh, John, uh, Luke was in the youth group, and um, he would come early, and they would meet in the youth building, and he played on the worship team. So he'd get here early, never early enough for him. I, he wasn't driving at the, fir- at the very beginning. Was in, he was in the youth group, and so he wanted to be here at four. And uh, <laughs> here I am as his mother. Luke, you, we've got to have dinner. You don't need to be there till. for worship practice, right? Mom, get me there early. So anyway, he, as he got older, he drove his own car. John and I uh, got him a little red, fiery red cobalt, Chevy cobalt. And um, so he um, drove himself to the youth group that night. He only had the car just a few uh, weeks, you know, maybe a couple months. And he was right out here um, was that before they put in the stoplight out here? Okay, so there was no, Lisa's going, she was part of the youth chain that way. And uh, you used to have to, John says you had to, used to have to do a power uh, drive to, to turn in, into the church parking lot. Um, so anyway, Luke had just left right after they did worship practice. And he was going up here, which was his habit, to um, the gas station just to get him a drink. And so he, you know, has a couple of people with him, and they're going up there to grab drinks and coming back to youth group. He got 
sideswiped in that vehicle. And I'm telling you, there's no reason why he should have lived. He walked away from that. The people in the car walked away from that. We escape snares and traps. Do I think, oh, wow, lucky break, fate. No, no. God has a plan for Luke Miller's life. He has a purpose for him. And he will live and declare the works of the Lord. God is for us. God is for my children and will protect them. He's for yours too. All right, so I want you to think a little bit further with me in Scripture, and let's go to Psalm 118. You see, if you see something in Scripture two or three times, God's making a point. He is for you. We just read God is for me. Did you read it out loud? God is for me. Now, okay, I just heard something in my head. I heard, uh, what if, how can God be for me and for my husband when we at odds? How can God be for me and my boss when I don't like them? How can be God be for me and her? How can God be for me? And you know what they did. Here's the thing. God is righteous, and we're so glad. He's impartial. He can love you and them. Knowing all their stuff and knowing yours. God is righteous. So I say with confidence, he is for you. Now, he may not agree with everything you do. And we're glad. You know what? To, to God, ladies and gentlemen, if you're in your 90s in here today, he calls you sweet baby. You're his, and that's not just because he's being kind. You are a baby to him. He's the ancient of days. He's been around for years. He's got so much experience. Let's saddle up next to him and see what he thinks. Think like he thinks. Do things his way. It's, it's, a, it's an amazing way to live. So Psalm 118 says this. We're going to verse 5. Uh, and reading verse 6 and 7. I called on the Lord in distress. Now, we just saw that a minute ago, that when you call on the Lord, he's for you. I want to ask you this. Did you have little things come up this week, and you're just like, oh, i got to handle that. Oh, i got to do this. What, What about that scripture that says, pray without ceasing? The Bible says, if any is in trouble, let him pray. And a lot of times we think, oh, oh, I can't pray right now because I I can't get on my knees and I can't close my eyes. You pray pray as you go. Make it a part of your life. You know, um, John read something um, out of Joshua that talked about, it was a couple of weeks ago when he was talking about us focusing and meditating on the word day and night. Sometimes people might think, well, how could you do that? You can't think about the Bible all the time. That's not the deal. You're thinking about something all the time anyway. So when you read the Bible for 10 or 15 minutes in the Word, it'll bubble back up and talk to you all day. You might not remember. You think you didn't remember what you said. It's supernatural. You didn't remember what you ate yesterday either. But it's working to bring you energy and strength. You and I should be more and more people of the Spirit. God is for us. His Word is Spirit and it is life. Psalm 118 verse 5 says this, I called on the Lord in distress. Did you do it? I'm asking you. And, and here's what you do if you're thinking, I didn't, I didn't think to pray about that. I didn't think to pray about this one. Or I, I foo-fooed that away and thought, I, I know what I'm supposed to do. You know, sometimes those things come up in us. Just, again, learn to kick your own tail. And say, you do not know what to do or you wouldn't be in this trouble. And get on over here. If you can't boss yourself around, you have no authority to be bossing your children, telling them what to do, be a leader of a company. 
If you cannot tell yourself, ooh, where did that attitude come from, Gwen Miller? You get on over here. I don't care if you feel like saying that or not. You're not saying it. People of strength. People of strength. I called on the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. You know, God likes his room. He's a roomy God. He's built a mansion for you, not a cottage. Bible. He goes to prepare a place for you. He's got great places prepared for you, not a grass hut. If you like tiny houses, you might need to meditate before you get to heaven. No tiny houses. God's will is a broad place. If you're feeling tight and constricted, come on now. God is for you. His will is roomy. You like tight, constricted, bound up? No. A belt that's too tight? No, no. No. God's will is in a broad place. The Lord, we got to read this one together. There it is again. The Lord is where? On my side. The Lord is on my side. Now look, this is what follows. If he's on your side and you know it, I will not fear. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. Have you been afraid lately? It's not a sin to be afraid. It is a sin to make decisions out of fear. It'll get you in some dire straits. It'll make you say things you cannot get back. So if you've been walking in fear, what we want to do is we want to zip our mouth and get in the word until it's the law of displacement. John, again, I'm reflecting on so many of the things that he's recently said. This has been some time, but he's, you remember the law of displacement where he had a a jar up here and he's pouring in and it began to overflow. It was muddy looking. And then after a while, it was all clear because he kept pouring the clear water in there. That's what we do with the word. It's the law of displacement. We keep adding that to our lives and the fear will go away. What can man do to me, verse 7? Maybe you've been thinking about that this week. Well, what if he leaves me? Well, what if the boss kicks me out? Well, what if my aunt unfriends me? What can man do to me? Oh, you listen. Let's go there, shall we? Yeah, let's talk. Okay, so if she unfriends you, and you're all depressed, you had your sights on the wrong thing anyway. Did we, do we not know people are going to fail us? Let's say that up here in the house of God. People are going to fail us. You and I need Jesus. We say that enough, but then when something happens and she unfriends us, it shows full well who we really wanted to like us. If you're getting your identity by how many people like you, or... If you have not crossed that road, maybe you're early in your marriage and you have not crossed that road when you have a fight or whatever. What if she leaves me? What if he leaves me? Who's your Lord? There's only one person you can't live without. There is only one person that you can never, you cannot afford to be one day without him. And that's the Lord. Nobody else, nobody else qualifies. Ah, you want to take a deep breath on that one? Does that feel good? God is on your side, and he can restore anything broken in your life. Don't you worry about people that leave you and hurt you. I speak life to you today. I'm not making light of the pain. 
I know that is real. I speak life and healing over that in the name of Jesus. God is for you. The Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore, I shall see my desire on those who hate me. Well, what does that mean? Well, as you grow in the Lord, um, the, your desire on the people that hate you is, Lord, I just want them right. If they, if they really knew me, they'd like me. That should be your attitude. If people say, you know what, I don't even like you, and you're, I, don't, I don't want to be around you, or they say it with their actions, this is what your, your attitude should be. They, you don't even know me. They don't even know me yet. And it, really, a lot of times that's the truth. People do not know you unless they live with you. They just don't. Give them a break. They don't know how wonderful you are. God is for you. All right. Um, I, I want to um, hone in on something here. You know, what I'm talking about, this whole principle about God being for you, there are millions of people across this nation today sitting in church like you are, and they do not believe what I'm saying. Why? Well, mainly because it's not taught. They're maybe not reading the Word of God for themselves. And then also, there's been some things that have been taught, like, uh, um, you know, that we prioritize prayer, and we pray over, like, the martyrs. And we pray over big stuff. Oh, they've got cancer. We don't pray over a cold. We don't pray over maybe a bad attitude. We pray over the big stuff. Well, there's a problem with that. And I'll tell you um, one of the problems with that. First of all, it's not understanding God's ability. He's big. God is for you. He's big. He's running the universe. Many people sitting in church today believe that God is displeased with them. They don't believe God is for them. They think he's unhappy with them. They know plenty well what God is against. And maybe you came into Christianity and you knew that too. You knew what he was against. What would God be against? Well, he's against foolishness. He's against sin. Well, sin is lack of light. So I I will say this to you. What is sin to one person over here can be completely different to someone over here. It depends on the light they're walking in. Okay? So we don't judge. We do judge ourselves. So people often think that God is against foolishness. He's against flashiness. Gaudy things. Let's, let's go there. Gaudy things. The fact that God is against big, expensive stuff. Think about that. The Bible tells us that if you go to Revelation, there's a bit of an uh, ex- explanation there of John the Revelator's his vision when he saw heaven. And he saw streets of gold, a gate made of a pearl. Now that's gaudy. You're going to tell God he's gaudy, a little bit too flashy, too expensive. Should have done some other stuff with that. God is not on a budget. When you ask him to help you pay your light bill, don't worry about it. He's not on a budget. God is against excess. I'm telling you that too many Christians know, or they may even think they know, what God is against, but they don't know what he's for. He's against partying and fun. I had to jot this down, and you can jot it down, and go check it out yourself, but it's in Revelation 1.13. When John saw Jesus, it says that he has a 
band of gold around his chest, not on his finger, a band of gold across his chest. Jesus is lavish. God is lavish. In fact, we're going to see here in a minute how, just how lavish he was in the book of Romans. God is so for you. He so wants good things for you. And the enemy has lied to us. And why? Why, why would the enemy lie to us? He wants us to think that God is our problem. God is holding out on us. God is not your problem. God is for you. The Bible tells us that you have not because you ask not. Here's how some people read that. You have not because he's too busy. You have not because it's not important. You have not because that's too expensive. You have not because you should be happy with what you have. Now, mom may have said that to you. But that's not what God's saying to you. You have not because you ask not. Think about this. Oftentimes we have this picture in our mind of God being on a throne in heaven and we're maybe even thinking he's sitting in front of a big screen and he's got his mouse and in comes in the inbox. Man in foxhole. Save his life. We see ding, 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 all these prayer requests going off in the big screen of heaven. And they're just think about that. People think that God's too busy or I'm not going to bother him because I, I sprained my ankle. I'm not going to bother him with that. At least I don't have cancer like that girl over there. God can find you a, part, a parking spot at Walmart, deliver the man from the foxhole. He can deliver the person who is in dire straits on the, the verge of divorce. He can do all of those things at the very same time and be smiling at you. And there is no big screen. There's no inbox. There's no ding, ding, ding where he sees your request and goes, you again? See, that's the enemy. You're laughing because you've thought it before. You thought, I'm not going to pray about this one because it's just no. And I'm a big girl. I should be able to figure this out by myself. No, no, no. He's not too busy. He loves you. There's no furrowed brow or sweat on his temple as he's looking at that big screen. No, none of that exists. He smiles when you ask him for things. He's reaching into your life as much as you'll uh, allow him to. I knew I would go, I, I could, if I didn't stick with my notes today, I would get really so excited that you might not get to hear all that, that the Lord has given me to give to you. So let's go to Romans, shall we? Romans 8. Would you just say this to yourself? I love the word. Now, if you heard a little argument in your head, well, I love Jesus. It's the same thing. Jesus is the word. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The, the way that you and I live in this world is... We, we live by the word. It's that tangible, uh, tangible evidence of God in this earth. And there's other, other evidences as well, but his word is the most important thing. We, John and I prize it above anything else. Do you understand that? We, we prize the word and how it goes forth in this church above anything else. It'll deliver you. It'll set you free. You don't need us. Sometimes people will say, I'm just so grateful, and they'll give us all sort of sweet little things, and I won't bore you with what they say. But 
all sweet little things to us as pastors. And I, here's what goes off in my heart. You just love the word. That's, who, that's what it is. You just love the word. You just love the presence of God. That's what they're saying. All right, let's look at Romans 8. Let's go to verse 29. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. That's you and me. We, Jesus is the firstborn. You're the se- are you the second, third, fifth, hundredth million? We don't know where our lineup is in all the believers that have lived before and after us and at this time. But you, you are one of those firstborn of many brothers and sisters. Oh, he's for you. He's so for you. So has good things for you. Verse 30 says, and having chosen them, say, he chose me. Uh, let, let's say it again. We, we just practice it that time. This time we're going to say it with faith, believing it's true. He chose me. He chose you. And having chose them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with him. That's what John's always talking about. He gave you. He made you righteous. He gave them right standing with himself. With. If you're with somebody, they're right here beside you. With himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. God has given you his glory. You look good. I've thought, I often think about what my life would be like without him. I've had little glimpses because I, you know, I'm still walking the flesh sometimes, you know, still, we, we'll always fight the flesh as we live here on earth. So I've had little glimpses of what that might look like, that unredeemed girl. Scary. But I am so glad I have him because what happens is he makes me look better than I am. He makes me a better person than I really am. He makes me better. I mean, you're just not even the same person. When you have Jesus, it totally redo it. Re, talk about makeover. Totally makes you into a new and better person. He gave you his glory. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, it says. So let's look at verse 31. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds like a little bit of sass to me. Listen, if God is for us, who can ever be against us? God is for you. Whatever's happened in your life, that blockade that has said God doesn't love you, his plan is plan B, it's too late for you, there's too many things that that are stacked up against you, not true. If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Okay, this is so big. Let's look at verse 32. Since he did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else. In the King James Version, it says all, all things. Won't he surely give us all things? God is for you. If he gave you Jesus, his most prized thing, he'll give you a car. If he gave you Jesus, he'll help you pay your rent. He gave, he already gave you the most precious thing he has. He will surely give you what you need. If you're sitting there and you're thinking, well, why don't I have it? I'm asking you to step in and believe him. There is a law operating in the earth. In Romans, again, I, I forget which chapter, but in Romans it talks about the spirit of life. We are no longer under the spirit of the law, under the law. 
We're no longer under that, the law of sin and death. You were under it, but we're no longer under it. If we have Jesus, we operate under the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Well, the world is still under sin and death. That's where all this stuff is going to come at you as long as you live. There'll be things coming your way. That's because of the spirit of death and sin that operate. It's a law. It's always there, like the law of gravity. So when you say, why am I not walking in that fullness? Come on up under here. In order for us to get under the law of the spirit of life, we have to be in Christ Jesus. We have to li- I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, there is a benefit for a dedicated life to him. A dedicated life to him, making him your final authority. You know, if you make Jesus Lord of your life, those types of people don't just make decisions flippantly. Well, I guess I'll do what I want on this one. They don't just make decisions flippantly. They say, no, no, no. I want to make sure I know what God wants. And that doesn't take a lot. Follow peace in your heart. It's not rocket science or anything really spooky where you have to fast for four or five days. You can if you want to, but you don't have to. You can... God wants to lead and guide you on a regular basis. He is for you. If he gave you Jesus, he will not withhold anything else from you. Well, I may have given you some things that are too big for you. Um, I want to end with something even bigger. If you haven't been blown away yet, I, I need you to be. We're dealing with a big, big God. A big, big God. Are you ready? Psalm 91. God will be with you in trouble. He is for you, and he is for you when you are in a heap of trouble, when you're covered over with trouble. Have you ever been there? Covered over with trouble. When you are in the midst of trouble, you can count on him to be with you. Psalm 91. I love this chapter. It's one of my very favorites in the Bible. All right, so let's look at Psalm 91. Whoever, well, there we go little revelation already. Whoever, is that you? You're a whoever. Whoever, whoever, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest. A little bit what John was talking about, vacation on the inside. Will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Now, you got to dwell. Dwell means to abide, live in. Can't visit him on Sunday, walk out of here and think, okay, my life is transformed. Well, we, we want it to be, but you've got to walk that out. You have to walk that out. So we have to dwell in him. If you're thinking a little spiritual snack is going to carry you through and will let you walk in victory, news flash. You need to be in his word on a regular basis. I need it. You need it. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he's my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. I like this in the Amplified, in the Amplified Bible because that verse 3, it says um, in the Amplified, which goes back to the original Hebrew, for then he will deliver me. When I say of the Lord, you have to say it. So if you feel like, I don't feel like all this is resonating with me, if God's really for me. Are you saying it? What are you saying? What are you saying? I have a friend that's uh, going through a really nasty divorce, and she has a, an amazing coach and mentor that's a spirit-filled lady. And she said, Quinn, you know what she told me? Quit talking about it. I'm not talking about her divorce is done. She's in the middle of it. Quit talking about it. Quit talking about him. 
Only talk as minimally as you need to in order to get the business done. Pray for him. Walk in love. Quit talking about it. You're going to need Jesus to do that, aren't you? We got to do we got to say I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. Then we get the benefits of that. Have you been saying? Are we saying that? Lord, you're my refuge, you're my fortress because it says then he will deliver you. He will cover you verse 4 with his feathers. I love this metaphor. This picture, right? It sounds like such great protection. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of the night or the arrow that flies by day. I don't care if you're three or if you're 80. It's not okay to be afraid at night. You're not taking full advantage of your covenant if you're fearing. If it is scary for you to turn the lights out or scary for you to get on the highway, we don't know who we're dealing with. We don't, we don't realize the bigness of our God. He's big. He wants to protect you. Let's say it. You're my protector. You're my fortress. I trust in you. Nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. Verse 7. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. What do we do in a pandemic? Expect to come through on the other side? What do we do when there's an economic? We could be on the verge of economic downturn. Let's decide in here today. 12 p.m. Oh, it's time for me to quit. 12 p.m. Let's decide at 12 p.m. I'll give you two extra minutes. You got some extra minutes for the word? Right answer. So let's do this. Let's think about that before the economic downturn. Who? Who's Who are you with? Who are you going to call? Who, who do you trust? Who's with you? You will not, it says this, a thousand may fall at your side. So if everybody else loses their job and they all lose their houses, ladies and gentlemen, we, we under a covenant. We have a, we have a Lord that's big, 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 big. Our, our houses are not going to be taken. We have a covenant. That's what the word says. 10,000 may fall at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes the punishment of the wicked. Or those that are under the the law of sin and death, they haven't come in to the fold. Anybody can come in, right? It's not us against them. We want them in here. If you say, if you say it, I'd circle that if I were you. If you say it, take a picture. If you say it, if you say, that's the second time we see it in the passage. If you say, if you say, you must say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the most high your dwelling place. No harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your house, near your tent. It may look like it. It may look like it's just coming right up. John's family, John's mom lives on a creek lot. And so a few times she's had, I mean, the creek is off down the way a bit. And so she, there's been a couple of times that it's come up when there's big, you know, been big storms right up to the porch. And they have just seen the Lord just, it'll just roll back down. <laughs> it'll just roll on back down the hill. And they're not even on the highest point. It's interesting. The house next to them is on the highest point. But he will keep you. He will keep us. 
For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Remember how I talked a while ago about how oftentimes people think God's too big. He's got, he's got forces, armies of angels. He's got so many assistants. Don't worry. Oh, there's just one God and so many millions of us. Oh, no, he's got troops. Your problem's not too big. God is for you. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. That's economic. Let's don't read this with spiritual eyes. That's economic. That's failure in your business. Failure in your personal finances, your personal life. Failure in your family unit. Don't, don't, don't. Don't not look at this with the eyes of faith. What is it that you're dealing with? You will tread on the lion and the cobra. We could say, well, I'll tread on lack. I'll tread on disappointment. I'll tread on dreams that seem unfulfilled. I'll walk on them. What was my goal in the front end? Give you courage. Remind you of who you are. You will trample on the great lion and the serpent. Because, here we go. This is why. This is why. Because he loves me, says the Lord. He says this about you. When you make him your dwelling place. When you say, I trust you. When it feels like the words are stuck in your throat because of the disaster that has happened in your own family unit. When you say, I will trust you. This is what God says. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me. That's you. We just found you in the scripture. Are you looking? You're going to need this this week. Some of you are going to need it. You're up against situations you don't know the answer to. God is for you. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I'll rescue him. He will call on me, verse 15. We got, let's do it right now. I want you right where you are. We're finishing the verse. We're going to call on him right now. What is it? What's the blockade? What in your life have you looked at and said, this is too big for me. It's too big for God. I say, no, I say, no, I come against that lie of the enemy in the name of Jesus. Ready? I want you to call on him right where you are. You just pray that out in a whisper, in a sentence, Lord, I call on you. I bring that to you. I put it right before you, Lord. You see that situation. It's, it's been reoccurring. I don't know what to do about it. I'm lost, but you're not. You've got light. You have answers. I believe you, Lord. I trust you. And I take you at your word. You said right here in Psalm 91, if I call on you, you'll answer me. I believe that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, we're not done yet. He will call on me and I will answer him. Ready? I will be with him in trouble. Some people believe that and they stop. Well, the Lord's with me. The Lord's with me. No, no. He's not done unless you're delivered. I will deliver him and honor him. I mean, I've got this all highlighted and marked up in my Bible. It's one thing to be delivered, and it's another thing to bring God honor with your life because he made it look so good. He made that what looked like it was going to destroy you. He turned it to your good. That's what he wants to do in your life. Thank you, Jesus. With long life, I, Jesus is saying this about you. With long life, I will satisfy him. And show him my salvation. God's plan is for you to miss the snares and traps of the enemy. For you to divert them. 
at every point. And when those things come your way that look like they could overwhelm you, he turns them for his good and for your good, not just for his good, not just for his good. Sometimes you've heard that. Oh, well, it'll all work out for God's glory. Not just that. He's not happy if you're not whole. He's not happy if there's no peace in your life. He has good good things for you. Will you trust him like you never have before? Will you go into this next season of your life and say, I've let Lord, whatever it was that was a blockade. I'm asking you today, ladies and gentlemen, let go of bitterness. If there have been some things coming up in your mind, why didn't this work out? What about that? What about this? I want you to release that right now where you sit. Will you? Let it go. Let go of that bitterness. And out of your mouth, you find time today to say, ah, do you know what? When you do that, you release the power, supernatural power of God to work in things that you cannot do. I thank you so much for your attention today. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Lord, we just thank you for your word. It is the most beautiful thing. We're amazed at how good you are amazed at the goodness of God that you are for us. We remind ourselves of that today through your word. And Lord, I pray that we would make every effort to keep that before us, that we will live such a lives that we go from glory to glory to glory. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I just pray for light today where everyone sits. Lord, when light comes everything's clear. I pray you just flip that switch. Turn on the light in those dark places. Lord, we we just thank you that you're big, 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 big. We repent of wrong thinking, of small, little, bitty, small, small thinking. Oh, we repent. We choose to see you as you are and think big, thereby honoring you with our lives and our prayers. We will think big. We will pray big. We will ask big. All to the glory of God. All because you deserve it, Lord. It's just who you are. You are big. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Gwen. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me? You know, today you might have heard something that's new to you. You say, well, it doesn't work for me. It didn't work for mama. It didn't work for someone else in my life. God says, allow me to be true. In other words, let God be true and every man a liar. So we're not basing our belief system on somebody else's experiences. We're going to base our belief system on the Word of God. All those in agreement say aye. All those opposed, I don't care. All right, let's pray. God, thank you for today. Amen. You're dismissed. Go get them.